marketing, the media coverage, um, getting your first customers, getting your first employees, yeah. building your team, um, that all comes into play with it. You'll never realize how powerful you are as a person until you let your freak flag you know, fly yeah. and um, your authenticity is just out there. Welcome to Hacks and Flax, the podcast from March Communications, where we cover PR, marketing, media, and all things communications. I'm Manny Vega. Welcome back to the show, and uh, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. This is actually the first uh, new episode of Hacks and Flax in 2017. And to usher in the new year, we have a uh, first-time guest to the podcast here, uh, my colleague Marina Ascari. How are you today? I'm good, Manny. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, welcome to the show. Um, did you have a good New Year's, by the way? I did. It was not long enough. The break's never long enough. But- I know. Definitely ready to kick off the new year and glad that we're starting some new projects and this being one. So I'm very excited. Yeah, this is this is a new one and it's um, a bit of a new thing for the podcast here. We've had startups on in the past, but um, the topic we're covering today is sort of like startup marketing, communications, that sort of thing, building a startup really. Um, our guest today will be Rika Elize, who is the founder of Beauty Link, which is like a marketplace for um, that connects beauty professionals and their customers. Uh, she also started this group, Boston Naturals, which was uh, sort of like a community of women that like bond over natural hair, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and her journey is really interesting, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea for um, having Rika and similar founders, startup founders, uh, such as herself, um, was really born from um, wanting to look at the Boston startup community and the Boston tech community Um a little closer because, you know, March is headquartered in Boston. So we're part of this thriving community. And there's so much talent and there's so much innovation going on in Boston right now. Um, that's become such an, an important part of the culture here. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to explore that and, and really put a lens on some of these startup leaders and, and what they're doing um, and and how their leadership styles are and how they're communicating about their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's something, you know, we're doing and looking at all the time for our clients. Um, so I think there's just some great lessons and some great stories that we can tell about the community here um, and how it's growing, um, how it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. This is an idea you brought to uh, to me a few weeks ago. Um, and I like it a lot. As you said, you know, Boston obviously is a big kind of tech hub, but a lot of startups, a lot of um, resources for startups around here. Yes. So something um, that we touch on with the interview uh, with Rika is like Mass Challenge, for mm-hmm. example, one of a few accelerator programs uh, that are designed to help startups get off the ground. Um, and so that's great. And, you know, we wanted to cover a little bit of the communications approach as well, because mm-hmm. especially, you know, when you're looking at a, a company that's that's brand new, uh, doesn't have a budget for marketing or PR or advertising or whatever, um, how do you get out there, tell your story, get coverage, right? Get yep. customers to know about you so that way you can develop that group. Um, get, you know, potentially investors, um, grow your network of people to help you out. You know, that's it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's really a grassroots approach. Um, and that's something we cover with Rika. It's something she's kind of excelled at. Um, and it's an interesting story that we that we tackled it at. Yeah, absolutely. And and just another great perspective that she brings in uh, to that grassroots point is also on the flip side, how large established businesses can learn from those same strategies. How can they um, tell their stories and still be authentic um, at scale? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, I think, for a lot of um, larger companies, even the ones that started out as a startup and, you know, more recent companies that have, have taken that journey. Uh, you get to a certain point that you've scaled to that point and you kind of lose track of maybe it was your customers, maybe it right. was the partners that got you to the point. And you need to go back to uh, being a little bit of a community builder and, and treating those people, you know, differently, kind of see what's missing from your approach there and and, and, and tweaking things. So a lot of good lessons for, for larger companies here as well as startups. Uh, in this interview with Rika. Shall we Shall we dive in? Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready. All right. Here's our interview with Rika Elize. Today we are talking to Rika Elize, 
She is a founder and CEO of BeautyLink. Uh, it's a marketplace service that connects uh, customers and salons for real-time appointments. She also founded Boston Naturals, which is a separate networking group for a community of women who bond over natural hair, um, natural beauty products, right? Am I, am I describing that correctly? Uh, Rika, welcome to Hacks and Flags. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, so, you know, your story, uh, you've started a, a, you know, this great community group in Boston Naturals and then BeautyLink. You know, where does this, where does this urge to start things come from? Where does that, where does that begin? I mean, I think I'm a little bit of a rebel. Um, I've been starting things as long as I can remember. I think uh, it was probably like 13, and I I organized a teen speak out in uh, Dorchester at St. Kevin's, and no adults were allowed to speak, <laughs> okay. right? And I was popping my gum on stage the whole entire uh, time. It's an epic video that I hope does not get leaked out too often. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm the eldest of three, and I'm... You know, my parents are from Haiti, so I'm first-generation American. Um, I had to learn how to create and how to cultivate because my parents learned English through me and my sisters were learning through me as well. So it was just always thinking and processing on the level of creation and teaching the whole time. And uh, my passion for creating is one of just being passionate and loving um, towards others. And sometimes you have to be able to, to create the love you want to see in the world. And uh, unfortunately, I have a little bit too much love to give, so I create <laughs> all the time. But it's working so far. I mean, you've also, so you've created this community with Boston Naturals. I want to cover that first. Yeah. Um, seems like you sort of have a passion for that community building, right? Well, you know, Boston Naturals was a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my formal work space before that, I was a development director for a prostate cancer organization. And I was stressed out. I was stressed out all the time. I was going through burnout. It's a lot of pressure raising money for the whole entire staff to be able to live mm. and for programming to go. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, like I'm, my hair, you know, yeah, what about my hair? And decided that I was going to take on the, the meetup space. And I was excited. I, I took over a meetup group that had about 230 members. And now it's well over 1,300 members yeah. um, with 25,000. Well, actually a little bit over 25,000, maybe around 30,000 and following um, in the New England area. We are the largest uh, community for women of color that's focused around hair, um, makeup, and beauty as a whole. And it's been really interesting to hear that we're considered to be a sisterhood, right? Mm, yeah. um, and that's really because I've thrown my love and passion into this uh, for everybody to feel like they're a sister and part of the journey. And it did take a lot of work. I think maybe I, I learned how to start a startup mm. through the process of building the digital brand of uh, Boston Naturals. It wasn't just, okay, Here's the meetup group, and it's done. It was trips to New York, trips to D.C. Um, it was getting into the press. It was also really looking at, okay, so what am I giving them? Aside from just saying I'm giving them education, am I bringing enough value? And so it started with a lot of uh, problem solving. But I think the tipping point for me was when I had to look at it from this journey of where I have come from. So I started doing my sister's hair. Mm. You know, um, I have two sisters. One of them is uh, disabled, and she needed assistance all the time getting, you know, doing her hair. And then you look at these women at Boston Naturals who also are, you know, touching each other's hair, doing each other's hair. But at the end of the day, they still want professionals to come and do it and didn't feel like they had enough special, you know, special stylists there. And I had to think about it, and I was like, wait, my sister has this problem. They have this problem. I do my grandmother's hair when I go to Haiti. She has this problem. Can I create a solution that's ongoing that can always solve this problem? And that's how BeautyLink came to life. And it, it just started with being able to call someone and say, can you come and do my sister's hair? And I, I was curing something that I didn't even realize what the real problem was until like it just hit me in the head. Like, yeah. literally <laughs> it hit me in the head and I was just like you know it's a spreadsheet and a phone and I'm just gonna get this done and after that happened I built out my old my own website um with WordPress 
And that was definitely something that we outgrew pretty fast. Mm. And, you know, I, I didn't have a technical background, but I needed to dive in a little bit deeper and say, oh, my gosh, we actually need something that works. Yeah. So <laughs> that was adding to more creation, right? Sure. More skill sets. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I answered your question, like, overly. No, you told me. <laughs> that was perfect, actually. So that, that explains, as you said, kind of where Beauty League came from. Mm-hmm. Um and can you explain exactly how does Beauty Link work for people who don't know? Sure. Uh, Beauty Link is a marketplace platform that connects customers and beauty professionals for real-time appointments. Um, essentially, a customer will come to our website, select the service, and they will be able to get matched with a beauty professional within five minutes or less um, that's in their area that can perform the service on location. We're currently working on a solution for salons as well. So it's it's been really interesting at looking at, you know, not only building for the freelancer, but also building for the salons mm. um, to create even more access. There are individuals that people don't even think about that are in need of our services. A lot of salons are built for um, wheelchair-bound clients to come into, but they're not necessarily built spatially to service wheelchair-bound clients. So, you know, really looking at what can we do and engage in with innovation. Um, and BeautyLink's just looking at it from, you know, the perspective of home right now, but we are starting to work on being able to do that for salons. Mm. I mean, that's, that's kind of the classic startup story, right? So it's like you've identified some sort of um, something that was missing mm-hmm. for, for people. And it was something you were able to draw on from your personal life, as you said, your sister, mm-hmm. uh, your grandmother, other people that you knew that just were kind of missing this um, missing this ingredient, right? Mm-hmm. And and you were kind of providing the solution. Um, we talked about this a little bit offline. How did that story and that personal story for you resonate once you started trying to grow BeautyLink? I mean, when I started growing BeautyLink, I had to learn how to to let my freak flag, you know, fly, yeah. <laughs> and that was just really being very very honest and vulnerable and transparent about what I was doing this is how I was going to be able to get beauty professionals to join the mission um, to work with me and it was also going to get us our first couple of customers right Um, was being honest and being real and saying like I started this because of my sister I'm going to continue to build this because there are other people other than my sister that need this and I want to help you. My background's not in cosmetology. My background is in business. It's in development. It's in, you know, really looking at ways to build. The first 150 stylists that I have on my platform right now are all individuals that I have spoken to on the phone. Mm. I know their stories. I know that some of them are able to make it week to week. Some of them aren't. I know that they have children I know that they have gotten administrative jobs to be able to have health care and Social Security because they don't get that when they're a beauty professional in a salon. And that's what builds the fire for me. That's what continue to push me to grow the business. But when you hear these stories, when I get a chance to share my story with, you know, the press or even, you know, another beauty professional, mm. I'm spreading the message of what my company is about which is service and compassion. Mm. And you can't have service and compassion if you're not willing to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Is that something you feel like um, for early stage startups or just companies that are trying to get off the ground a little bit, is that a, is that a struggle, kind of trying to talk less about um, maybe what the platform's all about or those kind of like details and more about you as the, as the founder? I think that it's, you know, starting a company is a personal journey. Like the emotional ups and downs you experience is something that people don't want to really, you know, tell you, right? Because they want to encourage you like, yeah, you're creating a great solution. But they're not going to tell you how much time you're going to need to to really rest. And you might need to take some vitamin B12 (laughs) or that, um, you know, your energy is a very sacred thing that you have to protect. And if you don't protect it, you won't be there for your team. And you won't be supportive to your team. And my team is not only my beauty professionals. I also have, you know, a tech team I have to support. And our customers expect the best of me and my my team, my overall team. And you have to be willing to, to let, you know, the walls come down sometimes. 
but it's a struggle when you're a startup and you're trying to get people to to hear your story. So you use the buzzwords mm. mm-hmm. um, because the buzzwords will get you in front of somebody, right? And you will use those buzzwords in order to build your platform. But then the harder questions come on about your leadership. And then they come on on the mission of why you started your company. And there are, there are different entrepreneurs. They're the ones that are driven by money. They're the entrepreneurs that are really out there to try to save the world or change the world somehow. Right? And there are some that just bumped into it. Oh, wow. Jeez. Did I do that? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah. You know, those stories are rarely heard. They're heard after you've reached a certain level of success. But when you're able to share it earlier, you're able to allow other individuals to start the journey. You also are able to allow the story to really be told, right? A lot of the press um, that I've received has always been about, you know, unveiling the story and not necessarily the product, right? My product might change. Mm. My product will go into iterations, but... The one thing that won't change that much, I will grow constantly, um, is is me and why I decided to start this and what the mission is and why our values are so important to us. Um, in the story. In the story, right? I can't tell you how many stories I've heard that have brought me to the point of of tears or laughter, pure laughter, or meeting children of like some of these hairstylists like they're awesome yeah it's <laughs> like, a very personal journey for you yeah it's a personal journey i mean i didn't do this for money i i did this because it was a personal um it was a personal problem and i can never tell someone i'm doing this because i'm gonna make the most money mm-hmm. ever i have to tell them that the reason why i want to do this is because there are people like my sister and there are people like my grandmother that need my help and I'm going to do what I can to help them as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I find interesting. So we mentioned, um, obviously, community building was important with Boston Naturals. And sort of you've got, you've got this separate community building up around BeautyLink. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned the beauty professionals who mm-hmm. you've you know, made very personal ties to. Mm-hmm. Who else um, is in that? That, that network? Sphere? Yeah. So my tech team, sorry for swearing, guys. They are kick-ass. Yeah. And <laughs> we have one rule and one rule only, and that's build cool shit. Um, I built a community around them and I, I told them about my story and we speak to each other every day and every day we're building cool shit. You know, that's, that's what we do. My beauty professionals, you know, I, I speak to them and I talk to them and I listen to what their stories are. Now I'm building a, a different type of team, which has been something that has been kind of interesting to me is going out and now going and looking for operations and looking for business development. And these are people that function on transactional relationships. And everybody that I've dealt with thus far hasn't. So it's been something that I'm learning to to process and to build. Um, but, you know... One thing I have to say is that it doesn't matter what you do. It will always take a village. Mm. And um, my ability to build communities has been one of the things that probably make me stand out in comparison to some others. I mean, I I built out this tech product and I already had a community of about 30,000 to actually launch it off into. Um, I didn't do that, though. I decided that I wanted to see it grow organically without me having to to force it. Yeah. Right? And and now, you know, the women that are part of the Boston Naturals meetup group, they're just more excited that they're like, oh, you did it? Mm-hmm. That was you? <laughs> oh, I have to go use it. And you're just like, oh, thanks. Like, I, I really appreciate that. Um, but, you know, letting communities grow organically and also understanding that they can solve their own problems if they're able to grow. So we're, we're looking at how we can build out the communities for beauty professionals even stronger um, to help them start thinking around some solutions that have not been built in by the city, right? Mm-hmm. So what can we do about Social Security? Uh, what can we do about continual education that's cost-effective in a service industry that people haven't really thought about? If you even look at the city of Boston, I'm pretty sure about 30% of the the companies that are on the ground that are brick and mortar salons 
Mm. Yeah, big retail presence, definitely. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, those are the type of things where we have to think about it and we have to cultivate it. And one thing I've realized is that some of the solutions that come out of Beautylink are going to be ones that are born within the communities of the stylists, mm. of the, um, you know, the customers and also the the techies. I love the techies. The techies have been able to really think of things that I just have not been able to think about. Yeah. Like things we could never imagine. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have the beauty professionals that come out and they tell you, you need beauty from the moment you're born to the moment you die. <laughs> and you're just like, no, you don't. Well, who do you think is doing hair and makeup when someone dies? Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, you gotta look good in that. You gotta look. You gotta look good. You know, last call. Even after you die, basically. (laughs) Like this is the last call. You have to look good. And you know, you're just like, okay. But these are the solutions that we don't think about every day. Yeah, totally. You mentioned uh, so obviously you got you had the um, the community aspect. You've got Mm -hmm. these beauty professionals who know a lot about that. Um, And now you're building up this tech team. How do you go about kind of making those connections, getting people that you know and you can trust to help you build the technical side of your? Most of the technical team, they've all approached me. Oh, okay. Um, the, I only had to find one. Mm. I found one, and he's great. He's awesome. Me and him laugh all the time, and he hates my song of the day. I have a song of the day. So, like, I get myself in moods. So that way, I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have this song today. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? Like, this is going to get me so excited. And I'll come up with, like, some type of, like, solution or something that needs to be added based off this song. Because yeah. it happens, like, almost every day. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I was listening to Drake. And then he, this one line, you know, it got me thinking. And I want to, yeah, can we add this? And, <laughs> is that something we can add in? And he was just like, Rika. I think you need to stop putting together your playlist. And I was just like, okay. And, you know, you know, it's just fun to know that there are people bought in just as much as I am about changing the world. Mm. And they know that they can do it. Um, you have developers throughout this city, throughout this country that are being asked every single day to work on projects. Every single day. And they turn them down. Mm-hmm. I think I just saw, actually, that... Um mobile app developer is now like the number one job in the US and just you know a report was just released about it so yeah absolutely yeah and they're turning them down and people are chasing them all the time in order to place them in companies and I got five people that are invested in what I do they're invested in what I do yeah and they are all like developers like strong developers architects right and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, how did I get to this point? And they've helped me build out a product that people would have never thought someone without a tech background would be able to get done. And that goes back to the story that you're telling and your ability to kind of, you know, to convey that story about Mm -hmm. how your business is growing. Because I feel like, uh, you know, with that developer community, um, there is a ton of demand for them. They want to work on things that they care about. Yes, they do. And also problems that they never heard of. Right. I mean... I have an all-male tech team. I'm in beauty. (laughs) Mic dropped. (laughs) There it is. Like, do you know how hard that was to get them to really understand it? But when you start breaking down what their moms had to go through, what their sisters have to go through, what they even have to go through. I mean, think about it. You go to the barber. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to get your hair cut, you know? You are part of this ecosystem. You are part of this $40 billion industry. How do you like that? Yeah. It's hard to find a good lineup, I will say. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. I do know because, you know, I, I have a mohawk. So, <laughs> um, But, you know, they believe in what I'm doing. And, you know, for every single person that wants to create a tech company, I think you need to figure out how to be transparent with what your mission is to get your your team to buy into what you're doing. And you also need to know what their goals are. When I hear that, what they really want to do is build something that will change the world or change an industry. I'm bought into their dream and they're bought into mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not enough people actually try to do both. So it's really awesome when when it happens. 
So what about your customers? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about where it st all started from, mm -hmm. people you knew. Mm -hmm. um, were there any surprises along the way, some people that you just didn't expect to be really into this sort of thing? Oh, my goodness. I mean, we've had brides that have contacted us within 24 hours of mm -hmm. their wedding. 24 hours of their wedding, and they have eight bridesmaids, and it's them, and they want the mother of the bride, and you're just like, what? We didn't even think about brides. Yeah. And, you know... Early on, when we first started, uh, we were actually getting a lot of wedding bookings. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, we got a couple of wheelchair-bound um, clients early on, too. And I didn't – it's not that I didn't put two and two together. It's just I'd never really actively marketed towards them. Mm -hmm. So for them to find us was great. Um, and caretakers. A lot of people that are taking care of their um, elderly parents or um, sick family members that don't have the time to actually make it to salon times mm -hmm. are people that really shocked us a lot. I was just like, oh my gosh, we didn't even think about that. Yeah. Caretakers do want to take care of themselves, but they don't have the time. Yeah. So, you know, looking into that was pretty fun. Does that change like how you market the service or how you've kind of... You see, everything we've done has been organic thus far. Yeah. So it's been really awesome to say, hey, you know, we didn't spend money on advertising. <laughs> um, but right now we're starting to, to have a strategy and really targeting um, going into the senior market um, because, you know, they, they want the services and they have the time to do services but nobody's really trying to reach out to them, yeah. right? And and we do have a fastly aging community. As much as people don't want to talk about it, you know, they're they're starting to come up there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, they're just stronger now than they have been in the past. That's all. So you know, marketing right now, we've been really intentional at looking at our UI UX and what type of transitions we need to make with that, and also the language. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's you know. There's another marketplace, and that's of course the beauty professionals. Oh my goodness! And how you grow that community, right? Yeah, I'm I'm working on a super secret project right now. No, not really. <laughs> um, we've been able to grow our our beauty professional base uh, in the past five days um, pretty immensely. Um, can't share how I did it, but mm. we went to the point where you know I had 150. I still have 150, and now you know I have an additional 2,600 individuals within the past six days um, that have joined our network, and it's been really, really interesting to see that grow that fast. Mm -hmm. And it's from everywhere, from like you know the Boston area to Honolulu. Right, and you're just like, wow. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, okay. Like you know, these are the type of things that we're learning, and I found that you know I tried my best at trying to talk to every single professional. Like, hey, my name is Rika. I'm the CEO, and everyone's like, that's not going to scale. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, but I need to hear their stories. I need to know who is part of this mm. so I'm, I'm starting to learn new um not new age things but really looking at digital and using videos to translate the messages and right. and look at how i can be authentic uh with every single person that joins my team yeah is that um is that an especially big challenge i mean having that kind of two sides I mean, building two-sided anything is yeah. difficult because you have the customer and you have two sets of customers but their needs are so different, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So, like, I, I explained to you, like, with the beauty professional, it's not just about me giving them monetary, you know, monetary value, but also looking at ways to create new solutions that they're dealing with, um, creating education, um, but not necessarily doing it to the point where they become employees because we do have contractors on our platform. Um, you know, being able to juggle all that and then listen to the customers. Our customers are very different. Each person is very different. Every image that we see of our customers is very different. And that just, you know, that just speaks to how we have to build out the platform is that we can't say it's going to conform to anybody. Um, so it's been it's been a really interesting way to look at it. But the one thing that they both very much agree on and very much love that we do is safety. 
safety is one thing that they both are very invested in. So safety for the customer, mm-hmm. kind of who's coming into their home, but also safety for the beauty professional. Mm-hmm. What kind of, I mean, I don't know if you can talk about it, but what kind of filtering do you do for that? Yeah, we can't really talk yeah. too much about it, but we have done quite a few things in order to um, make sure that there is safety. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about a beauty professional going into someone's home, they're already outnumbered. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to the customer, being able to create a high level of transparency that makes them feel like they're letting someone safe into their home. Yeah. So, you know, looking at something as simple as creating a profile to be able to see the faces of the individuals that you're about to invite into your home right. helps. Right. And that's why BeautyLink was really, really intentional on creating that from the beginning. But there are other things that we've done for the beauty professional in order to um, make sure that they feel safe and that they feel that someone's there for them. Yeah. Right. So uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about kind of what kind of help you've had along the way here um, in kind of identifying. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, you know, getting that, your head around that story. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit about, you know, marketing to these different customers or, or growing the, the salon mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um, what resources have you been able to take advantage of? You know, I have to say I read a lot. Um, I would say I spend about two to three hours reading the blogs and also reading books and and listening and trying to to grow my knowledge yeah a day it's it's part of my if i don't do that i'm not being you know as strong as i can be for my company and you'll learn a lot from some of these blogs i will tell you and one of my favorite podcasts is actually uh crap can i say that okay um the startup Right from Gimlet, right? Yeah, yeah. from Gimlet. Yeah. A lot of lessons learned there, a lot of tears, and a lot of like understanding of the other um, founders. I also read um, a couple of blog posts from some of the VC firms because they do share a lot of information in terms of where you can find free resources because they want to mm. see you bootstrap the hell out of your company before they even consider giving you any type of money. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some people are just like, no, I can't bootstrap. I really need to go get that investment money. And it's like, you have a couple of free resources. Yeah. You have your community. You can use you know, every single person in your family and your friends. You can send them out an email and tell them to announce that you're starting a startup. Right. That's right. that's an email or you can do it on Facebook or you can use Twitter or you can use Instagram. Right. Those are just ways to market yourself. But sharing your own story on Medium will also get you people. I've gotten really funny stories, um, not st- funny stories, but just like people that have reached out to me because they saw me write a blog post about being annoyed about something. Yeah. <laughs> And I just need a place to be able to have my voice sing and not feel like, oh, my gosh, they're going to judge me as a CEO. Yeah. Right. And um, so I say that if you're looking for free resources, they're all around you. You just have to be willing to grab for them. Um, There are blog posts you can read. There are community resources with like LISC, SBA. Um, There are accelerator programs. Um you know, there's so many different things, but if you are going to consider going into an accelerator program, prepare yourself for it um, prior to to actually applying. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because I've gone through three accelerator programs, mm. and all three were very different. But the one thing that ended up resulting was burnout. Yeah. Yeah, accelerating your business really quickly according to a program goal can can burn you out. And so if you are going in for an accelerator, be very intentional, be ready, you know, sleep, learn how to sleep, learn when to take breaks, um, because you're going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. Was it still, I mean, how valuable was that experience going through an accelerator program for you or how? Yeah. I mean, I just completed Mass Challenge and Mass Challenge was definitely an awesome accelerator to participate in. But, you know, you have to be mindful. It's like going into an all-you-can-eat buffet as an entrepreneur. Mm. And you can eat and eat and eat, and then you're going to throw up, and then you're going to keep eating, and then you're going (laughs) to throw up again. And you're going to be like, oh, my gosh. Like, And then you're going to wonder, why isn't everything working? And that's because, you know, in in the reality of things is that we want a lot of things. Mm. But we only need a few things. And so being able to know the difference between your wants and your needs and going into an accelerator program is really, really important. And Mass Challenge is very intentional at saying, hey, we have all these resources for you. 
But the one thing we're going to tell you is that really know what you need. Yeah. And know how to ask for what you need. Um, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was really rewarding. Um, and, uh, you know, we built friendships that are probably going to last forever. <laughs> Squeezing into four months. But yeah, <laughs> it was, it, it was just a lot of fun and a lot of great resources, great mentors. But a lot of what they had to share with us was free and already available online. Applying this to other businesses and businesses at scale, something we do so much here and talk about all the time is about how, you know, you wrote this blog post and that started a conversation because somebody reached out to you and started a whole other conversation and that led to a new opportunity for your business and for you. Um, that is something that is so hard to translate for for us to our clients and stuff we do every day. Um, but it's such a huge part of growing your business and getting your words out there. And I think it is still um, applicable to scale, right? Yeah. I, I will admit that my blog posts are a little bit lazy. Um, I go and I record um, with a microphone on Medium, and uh, it writes out my blog posts. I didn't even know I could do and, that. And it only takes me about maybe five minutes of time. Oh. And it'll put me into a place where my blog post is written, but I'm speaking from my yeah, heart and I'm yeah. being really in like, oh my gosh, I really hate it today because today I learned X, Y, Z, or I'm learning the power of no because X, Y, Z. And, you know, just being able to do that. And sometimes you need to keep a diary for yourself. Mm. And instead of telling them to, to write the blog post as a way to scale their companies, you can just tell them you need to know what you accomplished. Yeah. You need to see it for yourself. And and using that will give them a place to actually let their walls down. And more people will be more interested in, in hearing what they have to say. And, I mean, I did the boob podcast with a different group at first because I was so frustrated mm. about dressing my boobs. Mm. I was like, oh, my gosh. I can't dress my boobs. Like, I, I, I want to feel confident. I don't want to feel like an imposter. I want to be myself. But, you know, it just took me five minutes to just write an email to someone that reached out and said, hey, you know, I want, well, you know what, can we talk about me dressing my boobs? Because I'm having a problem here. And this is something we talked about before we started recording. So just for yes. context, it's so like just for the context, workplace. It's, yeah. it's the, the workplace. workplace. It's the workplace. Like and appropriate dress, you know, the standards of, of, of dress for women in the workplace, basically. Yes. Yeah. And also, you know, probably jumping into some other biases associated with yeah. being dressed in the office. But, you know. But this is the type of issue that you're kind of putting out there with yeah, the blogging. And yeah. it's, it's more authentic, I think. It's more authentic. The... And it's also a diary for me. Yeah. It's also something that I'm just like, this is me. And sometimes you have to know that some, nobody might read your blog. Yeah. But. This is your diary. This is your journal. This is where you are you. But the truth is that, you know, the people that you're in your community that you're always speaking to, this is an issue they probably care about too, right? So it's like... Yeah, they do. They're, they're probably laughing most of it because <laughs> I'm just like, you know, making commentary. But um, I, I think that when it comes down to writing the blog for your company versus writing the blog as a CEO is completely different. Mm. And so when you're scaling your company, you're looking for someone that can give the voice to your customers and to the people that work for you. But the CEO blog or the CEO input that you put into that blog is completely different. People are looking at the mission, the vision, and where you're going. Yeah. And they're going to be able to tell that if you're burnt out. They're going to say, oh, this person's working mm -hmm. so hard. They're so burnt out. And they're talking about it. Yeah. Right? And... I think it's just about explaining it differently. Don't say, hey, this is going to help your company scale. No, this is going to help you. This is going to give you a really honest look at where you're going and how you're doing. And you're going to see the change in how people reach out to you. I mean, and, and getting back to a point that Marina made earlier, so it's kind of like um, in the life cycle of your startup, being that authentic early on, mm -hmm. and also just, as you said earlier, kind of, you know, taking a very grassroots approach, um, it's great. First of all, you're talking, you know, to your investor community, showing them that, like, look, I'm doing this. I'm serious about this. This is me, kind of thing. Um, and then just kind of growing your company after that. Besides, you know, investors looking at uh, taking advantage of things like accelerator programs. It seems like there's almost. Is there like a time and place for that stage? For I don't think there's a. Or? I don't think there's a time and um, place. I think it's the entrepreneur. 
It's all up to the person. It's all up to the person. They're going to feel like they reached a moment in their journey where it's okay. And every entrepreneur is different. Mm -hmm. I had to put it out early because the reason why I started my company is so personal to me. And I had to be prepared to share that story time and time and time again. So if I wasn't ready to be authentic, then it wasn't time for me to start my company. Right? Um, but it takes time, and every entrepreneur is different. And every entrepreneur will tell you the reason why they solved the problem was different. Yeah. And maybe that's where it starts. When they start telling the story on why they started the company, right? It always comes to why, right? Yeah. So Simon Sinek's book, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you have to be able to explain that. And that is authentic. That is authenticity. That is like the most authentic you're going to get about your company. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot do that, then you weren't ready to start your company. And and of course, like we said, that plays into kind of growing your company. That Mm -hmm. plays into uh, the marketing, the Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the media coverage. The the marketing, the media coverage, um, getting your first customers, getting your first employees, building your team, um, making sure that you're building morale not only for yourself but for your team. That all comes into play with it. And you'll never realize how powerful you are as a person until you let your freak flag you know, fly. Yeah. And um, your authenticity is just out there. You can't always, you can't hide it. People will see it. People will read it off of you, smell it off of you right away if you are not authentic. So you just mentioned uh, you finished these four months with Mass Challenge as the, as the accelerator program. You've kind of got a few goals coming up here, I assume, for like growing your customers and your... Yeah, we, we are in the place of starting to plan. You know, it's been really weird. You know, when you're in the thick of it and you're like, yeah, I got to do this. I got to do that. I gotta... I'm finally slowing down and looking at everything I accomplished, yeah. right? And saying, okay, so I, I did all of this and now I'm slowing down in order to put together the right plan. Um like, you know, I, I have a business plan, but my business plan is constantly changing. I'm happy that I wrote out a business plan prior to starting my company, to be honest. It gives me a place to always look and see what's going on. Because the majority of the time when you go into an accelerator program, some people don't have business plans. Right. So they're running and running and running and running and then have no plan of growth. Right. And I'm just like, okay, so now that we have all this and we've been able to execute this, let's take a look at the plan. Am I on track? Mm-hmm. Do I need to switch up my plan a little bit? I thought I was only going to have one tech person. I have five. What does that really mean for me? Where you know, it's been really, really uh, an awesome process, and we are growing our company now. Um, we're looking for an operations manager, and we're also looking for a business development associate, and looking at you know what can I do in order to build out a strong, lean company Mm. right where it's not about overhead it's about mission and value and um i think we're we're coming you know we're coming near that mark but it's been really interesting yeah i mean do you think going forward as you grow the company is it going to be a challenge to kind of hold on to that mission and value or like what no because it's it's something i i hold dear and um i think of us as a salon with no walls Right, because essentially that's what we are. We're a salon with no walls. Um, we're one of the largest salons for women of color in the country, if people really wanted to look at it that way. Um, and salons with 20 seats or more are dinosaurs. Mm. They're dying. And if I am going to function like a salon, I need to become lean in how we build our team. Um, if salons are dying with 20 seats, there's no way our company is going to be able to thrive with 20 people. Yeah. Right? Because that's not what you need in a salon. So it's been the way that I've been really looking at, okay, so where am I growing? How am I growing? Who's really important? Who's not important? Right? And it's always hard. Oh, my goodness. It was so hard. You guys have no idea how many interns I made cry. (laughs) Um, Because some of the things that you don't know when you're starting is that you might be bringing somebody on board too early. Mm, Yeah. Or you might be bringing them on too late. But when you're a first-time entrepreneur and you don't know that, you're going to break a lot of hearts. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to my interns. I, I really 
put myself in a position where I was grabbing all these interns because I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I need this, I need this. And then then I realized, oh, I brought them on too early. My company's not at the stage where we need to do this. Right. Mm, Nope, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I preemptively moved where I I don't need you right now. And then learning the art of outsourcing and getting really strong, skillful people to work on something and then taking on people to assist them versus... Yeah, I'm going to let an intern, you know, drive this for me mm. and then be like utterly disappointed when it doesn't go the way you want it to mm-hmm. go. So so those are some of those like um, almost details or, or things that you maybe don't think of you, you know, you, at the start of your journey, but like along the way you have you, to. Yeah, you, you have to you have to um, figure it out and then you'll figure out <laughs> your leadership style. Mm. And find out that maybe you didn't ask the right questions of the people that you wanted to bring onto your team. You're not supporting them properly. Um, And people will cry and people won't cry and people won't tell you. They might get scared of you. Do you want to lead with fear? Um, Or do you want to be someone that they can always feel that they can come to? Is that the best use of your time? Are you at that level to be able to do that? Or do you still need a buffer to keep, you know, people away so that way you have the most time to strategize and to think and to read and to process? The biggest job as a leader and a CEO as a company is listening. That's it. Mm. You have to listen, but you have to make the time to listen. And you have to also decide who to listen to and who you can't listen to. So I can't make my time to listen to the interns. Yeah. Right? I have to make my time to listen to the managers. And so it's been really a rewarding like year, almost year and a half of really learning the ins and outs, but using and understanding that I am an authentic person and I don't do well with transactional relationships and I am someone that wants to know the stories. Yeah. I want to know who's on my team. I want to know who wants to be part of it. Even if I can't speak to everybody, what they don't know is I'm reading everybody's profiles. Yeah. Right? I'm reading everybody's profiles. And I can see the orders that are coming in. And um, it, it was, it's a lot. But my job is to listen from the ground up. Right. Right? And it's, it's just really, it's been a rewarding, very stressful <laughs> but rewarding child that i gave birth to <laughs> it's growing you know? yeah and toddler i mean you're growing as a leader too and 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 as a as a startup here in boston i'm curious if have you um taken advantage of any opportunities to mentor i know you mentioned sometimes you have to say no to that sort of thing but like where is that is that a rewarding experience for you when you i have been i able to, um or? i had to you know it started off the year trying to decide if I wanted to mentor or if I didn't want to mentor. Mm. Because, you know, after you finish off a program like Mass Challenge and you end up winning money, then all of a sudden people want to know how you did it. Yeah, Yeah, how'd you do it? I want to, I need to be there. Can you be my mentor? And you're just like, I want to let you know that every single person's journey is different. And I'd say this to every single natural that's in my Boston Naturals group Mm. because they have hair envy. They might see curls that they want or they yeah. might see a length and they're just like, Rika, this is what I really want. What type of products should I use? And what ty-? And I have to let you know, every journey is so different. Yeah. You are on a journey about yourself and you have to decide how hard you want to work and you have to decide, you know, what will work for you. And I found that in mentorship, it's really, really important for you to know what you can bring to that mentor and what that mentor can bring to you. Half the time when someone says that they want to be a mentor to you, it's really them giving you opinions Mm, instead of advice. And I had to learn how to flesh out opinions versus advice, right? right? And say, "Mm, this person has a really strong opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And to say like, oh, this person's giving me awesome advice. Like, you know, you need to know the difference between those two. And I decided this year I cannot mentor. Mm. I cannot mentor. Um, I could definitely share my voice on like podcasts and I can share my voice with telling my story and mentoring at scale on that level. But right now, if I, I could not take on um, a person that expects to speak to me on a regular basis mm-hmm. and ask me, hey, Rika, can we talk about my business plan? Hey, Rika, can you look over my pitch deck? Hey, Rika, can you do this? Hey, Rika, can I cannot 
because I want to be compassionate and I want to put my all into helping you. Right. And I can't do that right now. Yeah. And it's hard to tell people that, but this is what the reality of it is. Yeah. And that's an important growing, uh, an important aspect to growing, I would assume, as a leader, just kind of knowing when you want to be passionate about that person's journey, but it's just going to, you're too tied up with what you've got to do now. Mm-hmm. Got yeah, it, yeah. And, you know, it, it was really hard. Yeah. There are so many people that were just like, hey, Rika, I, I grew up in Mattapan. You know, I yeah. did this, I did that. And I grew up in Mattapan. And my mom's a single mother who worked 7 to 3, 3 to 11, 11 to 7. I barely saw her. I maybe saw her maybe two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. And I took care of my two sisters. And I'm the first to graduate college, yeah. right? I am in a position where I'm like, I want to help yeah. other people that have the same story. However, my best service to them right now is to allow them to hear the story and to make sure that they're reading and catching up on the resources that are available to them. They might not know it, but there's so much free information. There's nothing in their way. They have everything they need in order to make it happen. But a lot of times people feel like, oh, I don't. I need this and I need that. No, you want this. But you have everything you need. And I think you mentioned also offline before um, with the accelerator programs such as Mass Challenge, like even with great programs like that that are offering all these resources, their application cycle is coming up. Um, Yes, it's coming up in February and it's going to be a great opportunity for anybody that you don't even have to have your business like put together. But if you have a wonderful idea, the network of mentors and resources available will get that business off the ground. You just have to be willing to apply. And if you go to masschallenge.org, you should be able to see the application timeline come up pretty soon. And um, there's Entrepalooza that Mass Challenge puts on every year. Um, It's time to, you know, this is a new year, Mm -hmm. right? There are 365 days. So there are 365 different opportunities for you to get to where you want to go. There you go. That's good advice. <laughs> um, so we appreciate you coming on the podcast here to tell your story. Um, if people want to learn more about Beauty Link or, or Boston Naturals, um, yes. where can they do that? They can go to Beauty Link. Link is spelled with a Y, so L-Y-N-K dot com. And Boston Naturals is on Meetup. So go to meetup.com slash Boston Naturals, one word, and you will find a wonderful community of women that are engaged in sisterhood, um, beauty, hair, you can imagine everything they're there so it's a it's a wonderful thing and i'm so excited to be able to continue to do it fantastic thank you for joining us today rika this was awesome (laughs) thank you all right thanks to rika elizay for joining us on today's show And of course, thanks to you for listening. Hacks and Flax is a production of March Communications. We are a PR, marketing, and communications agency up here in Boston. Uh, If you'd like to find out more about our agency, you can find us online. The website is marchcoms.com. That's March, C-O-M-M-S dot com. Uh, While you're there, you can check out the blog and find all the latest uh, and most recent episodes of Hacks and Flax. You can also go back through our back catalog, check out archived episodes, And of course, you can follow us on Twitter. The handle there is at HacksFlax. That is all for this week. I'm Annie Vega. Thanks for listening.